Well, I mean, I mean, basically one of the biggest problems, I was the youth leader at the time and the pastor came up to me once and was like, you're not inviting, you know, you're, these kids are going to youth group, but you're not getting them into church on Sunday. And he had this big problem with the fact that they were at youth group, but some of them didn't show up Sunday morning. Wow. And it was like a lot of them, you know, their parents didn't go to church, stuff like that. They didn't really have a way to get there or something, but it's like, who cares? They're here. Mm-hmm. Right. Who cares if they're here Sunday morning or Wednesday for youth group? As long as they're getting the Bible, who cares? Right. But that that was the biggest sign was he just had a big problem. And the other thing was we were starting to do a young adult, you know, Bible study before church. But we would meet at Barney's Coffee and then come back to the church Sunday morning when the service started. And he had a big problem with that. We should be doing Sunday school in the building Sunday morning. And it was like, why? Who cares? Who cares what we're doing it? Because you guys didn't take an offering, right? At the at the coffee shop. Not uh, only that, it's about the, the, building, the building is the centralized itself. aspect of Christianity. Hit the music. Let's talk about all of this. Moment. Moment. Of clarity. Of clarity. Of clarity. What's happening, everybody? It's your man, Stefan G. <sighs> now, you are tuned in to another eclectic episode of Moment of Clarity. You have to sound so... <laughs> right here on the Promise Life Network. I feel like he's not very eclectic right now. <laughs> Moment of Clarity, and today is going to be a very interesting show. Uh... It's a topic that I was kind of trying to avoid, but not really, but kind of, but not really, but mm. kind of. Because I don't know where it leads. That's the reason. You know what I mean? Like, I love it as a topic. And I think it's outrageously important to to talk about and to speak about. But I don't know where it leads. But after looking in Joy's eyes right now, I think I understand where it leads. It leads to the the giving of wisdom and knowledge to those who listen to this show. So that they can make better decisions. Amen. And not be stupid. (laughs) And so today on today's show, we're talking about, see, I can, okay, so I can redo it, play the music again. I can do it all over again. Go ahead, play the music. Just, yeah, just he's, he's, uh, hit he's, it he's one more time, right there, Mike, right just there. like this. He's, he's, we we got to start over. We got some juice now. Yeah, we Joy, got some juice. Joy gave me, she pumped me up a little bit. Of clarity. Of clarity. What's happening, everybody? Yeah! It's your man, Stefan G. <laughs> And you are tuned in to another eclectic episode of Moment of Clarity right here on the Promise Life Network. Moment of Clarity. And today we are talking about the power trip that is running rampant through our faith and through our leaders. Ooh, Joyce, let's see it. Look, our lips all pursed together. Mm, I'm ready to put the mic up and stand up like I'm in the pulpit. I'm just, (laughs) Jesus. And another, this listen, this one video has spurned so many show topics. It's unbelievable. And so video on Facebook, and it was really dumb, and it spurned the idea because we watched this pastor sit in a pulpit and have a power trip because of who he was putting out of his church. And what the reason was doesn't matter. If you saw the video, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you heard the last show, you know what I'm talking about. But either way, he was putting somebody out of his church, and he was doing it in the middle of church, asking the person to leave, 
because he didn't like how they were dressed, right? And the whole idea of him doing this, it 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 disturbed me. It upset me. It angered me. It pained me. It 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 just ran uh, numerous emotions not, not, through not. me because I couldn't believe that somebody would ask somebody not to receive the gospel because that's how I saw it. You're asking somebody to not receive the gospel that you're giving right now. You don't know whatever God has purposed you to say in that moment could have been the one thing to change that person's life forever. And you asked them to leave because you were on a power trip. And it got us talking about the power trips that we see in Christianity. First of all, on that video, I question whether or not the person actually had a call. But that's just me. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. That's just me. See, that's why you're on my team. I would Go say that, that's just me because a, you, the to have a word for someone or to have a word for a congregation or for people, then you first have to be in a place of humility and connection with God. And in that connection with God, I myself personally don't see God making that statement to that person. So... First and foremost, I go all the way down the line when it comes to things of, of this nature, the hypocrisy of it all. You want to be the first to throw up that God does things decent and in order. If a deacon is coming to you trying to say something is wrong about what you got going on in the pulpit, no deacon have a seat. We're going to do this decent and in order. But you just turned around and we're not decent and we're not in order to the tenets of salvation and gospel and love and God. So I, I, your hunger for being the head person, because, ooh, Stefan, you're going to have me saying, I got to repent already in my mind. <laughs> you can't be the HNIC inappropriately. Well, some people can't be the HNIC at all. Well, <laughs> they try. But I agree with you. And, and, and it drives me nuts that, that we have so many pastors on a power trip. Even you were talking about, some experiences that you had, Mike. We've all had experiences yeah. where we've seen pastors on a power trip, and I don't like it, and it's time to call it out. And as always, I'm telling you, if you listen to this this show, leave your church. <laughs> leave your church. And go where? Go someplace else. Okay. Or go into, first go into the Bible. That's the first place you should go. Yeah. Into Even before you leave your church. Before you leave your church. I'm not, yes, I'm not telling people Bible. to leave their church. I'm telling I'm them saying, to leave their church. Fine. Go to, I'm with Mike. Come on, no, Pastor. No, Pastor, listen, help me here. This is Moment <laughs> of Clarity with Stefan G. And I'm <laughs> telling them, leave your church. But, if your church is expressing some of these views, if your church is acting like this, if your, power, if your pastor is on a power trip, leave now. Who's going to grab the pastor and say, Pastor, you on a power trip and bring him back? Guess what? An empty church will let him know something's wrong. Leave the church. That typically That's, is what makes them take a pause. Leave I, the church. I now, some of them I'm just glad you added that disclaimer. Some of them church won't, is acting this way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some of them won't pay attention even with an empty church, though. Just That's for the true. record. I've, I've lived that life <laughs> where you got two one. people, three people, and we still going to have church and mad that the, the building is fund is not going where it's supposed to be. But I guess for, for me, on the, as angry as it makes me, I've always lived, uh, not always, but I've, in my adult life, I've lived a life of infiltration. Maybe that's a part of the military side of me or, or whatever, but I truly believe that just because I don't agree with you or I don't even like what I see, 
it doesn't change for me standing on the outside pointing a finger and hollering at you because then you just build up a higher defense. But if I am on the inside with you, then I have an opportunity to pull you to the side and say, why are we, why are you doing it this way? Why, what makes the way you just handled the person that was sitting in your pew, in our pews, appropriate as relation to how you handled this situation or that situation? I literally can give them themselves. I think some people could do what you do and be fine. I think there's a lot of people that can't that are just following what their pastor says, and that's why they should leave well, oh, because okay. they need the, the leadership. Faithers? Here's the yeah. thing. The blind faithers. Okay. Well, not even just the blind faithers. Here's the thing. We as a people seek out leadership. We always seek out leadership. We always, listen, something goes wrong What's the first thing somebody says. Who's responsible for this? Because we're trying to find out who's in charge, who's the leader, who who made this thing happen. And so we're always seeking out leadership. And so people who feel, especially when you first come into Christianity, a lot of people feel like they lack direction. They feel like they lack knowledge. They feel like they lack purpose. And so they're looking for somebody to help them find these things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's great. I'm all for somebody assisting in helping you find those things, right? But I also see people take advantage of those people. And they do it for a great number of reasons. It's not what a lot of non-Christians like to paint it as. Like people are just taking advantage of people because they just want to be in charge and they just want to be empowered. There is some of that, but that's very rare. Right. A lot of the reason is the reason that they take advantage of others is because they want to uphold the institution that they are claiming to be in charge of. Meaning? Meaning they want to basically like, so for instance, the, the pastor that we're talking about in the video, right? His reason for doing what he did, he said, was because he held a standard in his church, right? And so that's about the institution. That's about the building. And so because he's got this standard in this building that he is supposed to be the leader of, and he feels like in order for me to uphold this this fabricated standard that I've created on my own for this building that means nothing, then I must make this person leave this building. Okay, I see where you're going with that. And so it's a lot of that type of stuff that makes these pastors go on these power trips and take advantage of these people. Because it can't be, you can't show that maybe those foundations were faulty and wrong. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've experienced that personally in my life. Yes. Mike? So it sounds like that we, we have to discuss what makes a good leader. Yeah, what does make a good leader, Carissa? Um, I feel it's someone who not only points and says, go that way, but gets down with you and shows you, okay, this is how you do it. Um, and then come on, let's go as a collective versus, you know, dictating this is what you should do and leaving you there to kind of figure it out. Um, someone who's compassionate, someone who listens and takes into account, you know, whatever your feelings or, or problems are, and then helps you find a solution to them. Yeah, those, I think those attributes would make a I, good I leader. Think, I think that's part of it. What causes you to follow someone as a leader? Ooh, that's a good question. Thank He's you. making me think about that one. Why? Uh, hmm. I I follow 
well, I have that dual dynamic. So I have the ability to follow because of the position and because of the organization. Being in the military, of course, I didn't always get along with my commanders or the people in charge, but that was their role. Therefore, we had a whole regulation and... Well, you didn't really have a choice. Right. I think what Stefan's asking in the the instances where you have a choice, what makes you see someone say, I'm following that person? For for the people, when I have a choice, it's because I see uh, a similarity. So it is someone that has accomplished the thing that I am trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I, I will follow the person that has arrived where I want to be, but has enough compassion, empathy, and wherewithal to see me, to mm-hmm. see I want to be where they are and is willing to say, this is how I got here. Okay. So, and they walk with me in that process of getting there while never missing step of walking with someone that's beyond them. So I also pay attention to, are you here and just sitting here? Or are you also still progressing to where you're trying to be in your next step of life? So it gives me kind of a, I'm going to get to A, then I'm going to get to B because they've made it to B and then I'm going to get to C. So I, I choose leaders that way. The thing I find interesting about what you said is um, it, a leader like that, it's more about who the person is leading rather than the leader right. himself. It's not about the leader's power trip to make himself look better. It's about how can this leader help motivate me to become better. Right. And, and still is motivating is being motivated by someone to be better themselves. Right. Yeah. So each leader is perpetually doing the same thing. Why do you believe there are leaders that are on power trips? I think our society has has lent that to us, unfortunately. I think um, because there are people that prefer to have a scapegoat, and your leader oftentimes is your scapegoat. If something's not going right in your life, it's because so-and-so told me, and that I'm owning my own stuff. So they get on power trips because we give them the power. If we didn't give someone that power, that authority to be our reason or our justification, then they wouldn't be able to stand in that trip, in my opinion. What do you think? Hmm. I I mean, I guess it goes back to pride. There's just something in uh, human beings that want to be better. Maybe want to be their own god. I would say low <laughs> self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that could be. How so? Well, if you've never been validated your whole life, from you know your parents to your peers at school to your teachers, if things that you did, you know, uh, or things that you tried didn't work out well, maybe you didn't do it right, and then you finally get to that spot, you've arrived and. Boom, there you go. So. It, for me, it just really, it hits home as I've seen it happen on so many different occasions for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen for low self-esteem. I've seen it happen out of pride. I've seen it happen out of, uh, out of financial trouble, you know? I've seen it happen because the church's air conditioner broke and they need money to 
to make the church's air condition run, run again, you know? I've seen it happen for so many reasons. And it's interesting to me that this particular position or just the position of leadership, it doesn't have to be a pastor, but the petition of the position of leadership is so susceptible to this infection, right? That even we as leaders have to be on guard. All the time. And I find it so ironic, or not even ironic, I find it so disgusting that there are so many pastors that don't that aren't on guard for that type of thing. That have found themselves in such a self righteous position that they don't maintain their guard to make sure am I am I on a power trip here? What am I actually in charge of? Because I don't care who you pastor, you're not in charge of anything. Those are God's people. Those aren't your people. Even we were talking about before how pastors will say, well, I'm held accountable for them. No, you're not. You're not held accountable for them. You'll be held accountable for what you did to help them come to salvation. You'll be held accountable for what you did to help them come into the recognition of Christ. But you're not held accountable for their actions. You're not going to get to heaven and God's not going to say, oh, he was sleeping around on your watch, pastor. You're going down for that. That's not how it works. But they hold that idea. They pump themselves up to believe that I am responsible for you. It's like a bad parent. Yeah. I, I was about to say, as a parent, I was a I I had power trips. Um, but again, it's based. I, in my opinion, it's based on how how ministers are raised, not by their parents, but literally in in ministry. Because you always get the sheep and the shepherd correlation. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the shepherd watches over his sheep and he's responsible for his sheep. He's making sure that nothing gets in and nothing harms them. And then when we consider ourselves a shepherd over helpless sheep, then we tend to have that I am you know, responsible. And if I'm responsible, then I have the authority. And if I have the authority, then it bleeds over into that power trip. Unfortunately. Um, I like what you said about, uh, as leaders not being on guard, if no one has taught them that though. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're saying basically one of the reasons why this happens is ignorance. Cause yes. we talked about pride. We talked about ignorance. We talked about sometimes it's necessity or something like, yeah, like you were saying, right. finances. Um, it's really interesting, though, when you said it's disgusting. The reason why it's disgusting when pastors don't realize they need to be on guard is because the Bible was full of leaders who were ended up corrupted by their leadership. Absolutely. So they're obviously not following what the word says. Right. The word warns us over and over again. So many times. What pride, especially in leadership, how that can destroy us. And it still happens. I also think it's good for pastors or leaders, church leaders in general, to have honest people around you. Not yes men, because I think that's the first thing a lot of leaders gravitate towards. Whoever is going to be on their side, they can do whatever they want to do. But people who actually oppose you sometime and will call you on your stuff because it helps check your heart, you know? That accountability circle. Mm -hmm. And part of it is also... What is the reason that you are becoming a pastor? Right? So are you becoming a pastor? (laughs) Joy had to wash her hands real quick. She had to get some sanitizer. Mm. Are you becoming a pastor because you want to 
help people find salvation or are you becoming a pastor because you want to build a church? And Ooh. if you and if you are becoming a pastor because you want to build a church, Sit and down. even if you believe building the church is a worthy, you know, there's just there's not a bad thing about wanting to build a church. That's not a bad thing to want, right? Yeah, so become an engineer. Exactly. Sam. <laughs> you you can you buildings. can design the building and let the person that wants to save souls step into that building and impact the community and lives. I just think we get in such a nature where we think any of this belongs to us. None of this belongs to us. None of these people belong to us. We are, we're not leaders. We're servants. Pastors aren't leaders. They're servants. They're ministers. That's where we, <laughs> that's what we forget is the servant leadership. It's the servitude. Yes. That, that's what Mike, that's what I was talking to Mike about as far as when it all began, when you, even when you look biblically, that position from priest and, and the, the tribe that, did not have the ability to do what all the other tribes did. Those individuals were in service. Mm-hmm. 150%. There wasn't anything. The vows that they took, the promises that they made, the commitments that they made were all in service to their belief and to their people. So when you just want to build a church, or when you're coming into ministry because, A, I see that uh, Joe Osteen is a multimillionaire, and so I'm thinking that that's the job I want because that's going to make me a multimillionaire. Or you see that um, T.D. Jakes has great influence, so I want great influence, so I'm going to go into ministry so that I'll build my own platform so that I could be a great public speaker. Those are all the wrong reasons to serve your community. I don't know how many people directly and intentionally go into it for those reasons. I know there are some, right? But I, I, (laughs) I hope to reserve in my heart that there are not that many people who are just saying, I want influence. I'll be a pastor or I want money. I'll be a pastor. I know they're there, but I'm hoping they're not the majority. I'm pretty sure they're not the majority. But even the people that go in, like I was I was talking to this guy a couple weeks ago, right? And he came to me for consultation. And one of the things he kept telling me was, I want to do what God told me to do. God's called me to be a minister, so I want to be a minister. And out of everything that I talked to him about and everything that I asked him, he didn't say anything about helping God's people. He didn't say anything about loving God's people, teaching God's people, helping God's people, nourishing God's people, saving God's people, none of that. All he kept talking about was wanting to do what God called him to do. And sometimes we allow people to get so focused on me doing what I'm supposed to do because God's called me to do this thing that it all becomes about me and it's not about them. Right. And and a true pastor, which is, we all know the word pastor comes from the word shepherd. So a true pastor, they're, priam, they're primarily, they're, Good no, they're, word. they're, Wait, what is the doggone word? Primary. Yeah, so Their the primary, primary function. function. See, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Their primary function is to care for, right? right? And to service. And there's so many of us that aren't doing that. See, but, okay, so like to that person that you were talking to, and if he was saying, God called me to be a minister, I'm supposed to be a minister, I would have said, did you finish asking the question of, a minister to what or of what? And to who? Yeah. And for what? He just stopped there. He just stopped there. 
There's so many of us that do, though. It's, this, it's the same. It's like we had a show a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about, um, I forgot what the show topic was, but Mike made the example of if God told me to start a radio show, right? But I have to figure out what radio show and what the radio show is about and where is it supposed to be and when is it, like there's details to this thing. It's not just, all right, radio show, here we go, you know? And to be called to be a minister, as she was saying, that the definition or the wording of minister is ministering to. That doesn't mean that you're ministering from a pulpit all the time. I have a ministry to children. Yes, you do. But I am not supposed to start a daycare. Anywhere. No, you are not. You know, so, you know that, 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 that's not how that ministry is supposed to show itself or present itself or minister to the child. So when a person is called to ministry and they feel that God has called them to minister, you're right. The questions of minister how? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm supposed to go into the nursing home. And I see children that come with their parents to see their grandparents and the children don't have any idea of what's going on. There's a ministry there. Maybe it could be um, I'm supposed to be working with schools that are um, children that are from families that lack and I can be there to be able to listen to the child. And that's a ministry there. So that doesn't mean that because you're supposed to be in ministry, you're supposed to be across a pulpit. Mm -hmm. Listen. As somebody who has routinely avoided the pulpit and run from the pulpit as much as possible, those who run to it either have to know that that's number one, they're calling, that the pulpit is the place that they're supposed to minister, or I worry about their motivation. I worry about their motivation. Right. Because, like I said, there's just too much. There's, first of all, the greatest position of power is the lower position. People don't realize that sometimes. The greatest position of power is the position, especially in Christianity and ministry, it's the lower position. It's not the top position. The top position might give you the most influence, but it doesn't give you the most power. It's the low position that allows you to truly, now that I think about it, it might even not even be influence because it's the low person that really can get into the person that you're not suspecting, mm-hmm. the person that you're not on guard with, the person that you're not trying to put on a front for, the person that just the re- the janitor, I'm the guy. Say, for me, it was the usher. You know what I'm saying? That's the person that you're real with. That's the person that has great influence over the lives of people in, in our faith and out of our faith and allowing people to come into our faith. It's not. if How many people are truly changed, not saved. Salvation is one thing, but truly changed because of the pastor's sermon. Mm. Life changed, not felt good, not decided to change, not, ooh, I'm going to make a change, but actually follow through change because of the pastor's sermon. No, that happens after and interactions with other people and daily walks of, so Sunday morning or Wednesday afternoon, you're really not doing much other than giving people a good idea. Exactly. It's all the stuff in between that perpetuates whether or not that good idea is a behavioral change. So, yeah, no, I, I, 
the whole question of if you're called, knowing that you're called to the pulpit is, a, I appreciate that. Because I'm a person that took my collar off. I was in the pulpit. And no, this is not where I was supposed to be. Right, Mike? Yeah. Mike is sitting there like, wow, <laughs> y'all are talking, man. <laughs> no. No, I, I agree. I'm just kind of soaking it all in, actually. Because there's so many good points. What experiences have you had with the power trip? With the power trip of pastors? Yeah. The pastoral well, power trip. I mean, I've been to some good churches, so it's not like every church I've been to that's bad. I was at one church, and the focus, it became very obvious that the focus of the head pastor was the power trip that everything he wanted was focused on the building and the Sunday service. So there were other ministries going on at the church. I was the youth leader. The youth was the youth group was doing well. We had a lot of kids coming, a lot of kids from poorer areas who didn't make it on Sunday morning. And that pastor had a problem with that. He didn't understand why they were there at youth group and why they weren't there Sunday morning. And I need to get them there Sunday morning. And I couldn't understand. I still don't really know. I can guess. But he, why were you so focused on your Sunday morning service being so successful? Because your sermons are so good. Oh, don't, don't, that don't, don't do that, up, Mike. Don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that's part of it. It's just like they're not going to really be saved until they come and hear my sermon oh. or something like that. And it's like, who cares? They're here now. Who cares right. if they come on Wednesday or Sunday? They are being ministered to in some way why is it so important to you that they have to be there sunday morning why is and it so important that they have to be in that building at all can't they exactly. be ministered to on the beach can they be ministered to i advocate the for the beach i mean you know on <laughs> the football fun. field it, hawaii was lovely where they have church on the beach they do yes yeah. Really? Yes. I got to go to Hawaii. <laughs> well, I got to go to Hawaii for many reasons, but that's one. <laughs> we'll add that yeah. one. Let me we'll not add, add like the one. church is the reason <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Hawaii. Yeah, no. we'll Let's just not add that. Yeah. yeah. But there is, uh, and this is probably, this is something that Stefan and I have talked about over and over again, but there is, there are so many pastors and so many Christians that they're focused on the building the Sunday service, that church or that fellowship more than the kingdom of God. Absolutely. They don't even know what the kingdom of God is. Yeah. They think the kingdom of God is going to heaven. I'm in a Facebook debate right now with somebody about the kingdom of God. Oh, right Lord. now. Close the computer. <laughs> <laughs> but they, it's because they don't know what the kingdom of God is. They think it's getting into heaven. They yeah, think no. that's what it is, is getting into heaven. And you're right. They're so focused on this building, this church, this fellowship, this pastor, like, you know, okay. <laughs> Wait, okay. For those who don't know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you. You're welcome. And I love how she said it too. It's like for those, just so we clarify. <laughs> I, 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 I feel so. <laughs> yes, it's like who saw. <laughs> but it, we have, we have, and I don't want to call it an epidemic, right? Because Jesus is still real, and people are still being saved. Yeah. And and regardless of necessarily, I'm not going to say completely, but necessarily how you don't do that, Joy, regardless of necessarily how you live your life, necessarily, 
you will still enter heaven, right? Necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> You'll stress that there necessarily. Are some, there are some restrictions on that about your intent and your motive and all that kind of stuff. But the the judgment is more on your heart and your salvation than it is on your actions, right? So, um, but there are those people, that is still happening, you know? And so I don't want to treat it like, Nobody's getting saved and the world is burning down. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a Republican. Um, <laughs> what? You know what? Yeah, he's, <laughs> that was a nice dig there. Yeah, Thanks. it was a fun one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to leave the table. <laughs> we do have to pay close attention to the people and make sure that we are we are focused on the people. Because that's what this is all about. This is all about us sharing with other people, an opportunity at something greater in their lives, an opportunity at joy, love, peace, all of those things, comfort, all of those things that come with Christianity. And that's what, that's what we're doing is we're sharing that opportunity um, with these people. And, and people get on a power trip because they're not really there to share the opportunity. They're there to share what they want to say or what God called them to talk about or a number of other things. I'm not going to agree with what God called them to say. <laughs> you asked the question, are they really saved? Though? I did. Why did you ask that question? Because that's that's the question that I want answered. And I that that's between them and God, probably. But I want to know the answer to it. <laughs> I want to know. Well, you'll find out. Yeah, yeah you I know, should right? know them okay. by their fruit. Oh, you're going to find out in the end, too. Yeah, right, but 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 then that goes into who am I? Because can I all can somebody always look at me and say, "Oh, she said"? Probably not. Amen. If they could, then I would question your exactly. actual salvation. Exactly. Moment of clarity, Stefan G. We'll be back in a minute. It's your man Stefan G. We're talking about a, we're talking about the power trip, mm-hmm. mostly about pastors on a power trip. But regular yes. Christians can be on power trips too. Oh, they do. But you had a question that oh, you wanted to ask, Joy. What was that question? I want to know at the end of the day, how do we ensure that we don't fall into that into that space? How do we keep ourselves from having the power trip? I'm already on a power trip, baby. You stay on a power trip. <laughs> yes, you do, Stefan G. I think. Honestly, to honestly answer your question, the way we make sure that we don't fall into the trap of being on a power trip is we recognize the power that we actually hold. We re- Not only that, we recognize the power that we actually hold, and we recognize the power that we actually don't hold. Correct. Right? So, like, for instance, on this radio show, I have a certain level of influence with the people who listen to this radio show. And the people that come in contact with me in my life, I have a certain level of influence with them. Not because I'm anybody special, but because I'm a person and people influence other people, right? Right. But I also recognize that I don't necessarily have the power to change anyone or the power to to really make someone do something, right? Mm-hmm. All I can continue to do is feed them something to influence them. And so if we recognize the power we hold and recognize the power that we don't hold, 
it'll help us kind of maintain that space where we're not falling over ourselves about how great we are. Can I piggyback off of that? Of course you can piggyback. I also think you should measure your motives um, against the word of God because it's nothing but truth. And so if you measure your motives against truth, you'll find out where you are faulty. And also being accountable with people. You know that one person that you don't necessarily like to tell all your business to because they're going to be real with yeah. you. And sometimes you just don't want to hear that. Keep them around you. Yeah, that I got. That's one thing like you can that. definitely do is just tell all your business. If you tell all your business, if you really put it out there, I try to tell business on this show. And if you really tell your business out there, there's not much power you're going to be tripping over. <laughs> because you're going, unless you're just, well, you're just proud and conceited, you know, because you can get proud and conceited about how much of your business you share. You know, that's always there. That's so weird. But there's not much power to trip over because you're out there. You're already out there, you know. But I agree with Carissa. Motives are everything. Why are you here? Right. Why are you here? Why are you here, Mike? Why am I here right now? Yes. This is a good question. Stefan told you to be here at 12 o'clock. <laughs> no, I actually um, I actually get ministered to by by coming here. Aww. That's that's, that's a so big beautiful. reason why I come. Ooh. I mean, there is a sense of obligation too, but I'm always glad when I come because I do get ministered to by being here. I remembered something for those who might be beginners at this. Look up the fruits of the spirit and then measure yourself against those. Cause what are the things, fruits of the spirit? I don't know all of them, but There's I know a lot of them. love, joy, peace, patience, Kind, kindness, gentleness. Come on, pastor. Self, um, self-control. Self-control. So if you measure your motives against the fruit of the spirit, you know, does it bring those things into someone's life or does it help them with that? Um, it's a good check. Dang, man. I got to get off Facebook now. Yes, yes Jesus. You uh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I don't, that wasn't one of them. It's just it's how you. <laughs> Facebook's uh, not on the no, list. Not, not All right, list. I'm in the clear. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Patience. Kindness, mm-hmm. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Long-suffering. Against Wait a minute. Such, Where's long-suffering? I didn't say long-suffering. It's I in there. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think long-suffering is one of them. Oh, you want me to come out of you want me to go back to the James, don't you? you, you I'm gotta in put NIV. long listen, you gotta put long suffering <laughs> in. There NIV, because the I NIV. need people to know that long suffering is a part of it. Against such there is no law. Yes. Mm-hmm. Long suffering. And long suffering isn't bad, by the way. I don't keep no. Long <laughs> you gonna keep the long suffering? That's that's Oh, Jesus. Long-suffering is a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. It Define is. Long-suffering. Patience is the thing I don't want. You can keep patience. I'll take long-suffering. <laughs> you Define don't get to pick and choose. <laughs> Dang it. Anyway, um, so yeah, don't be on a power trip. If your pastor's on a power trip, if you even sniff that your pastor might be on a power trip, talk to somebody. Talk to your pastor, talk to the deacon, talk to the elder, talk to the sister, talk to the usher, talk to somebody because you don't want to, you don't want to find yourself kind of captured up into that. You know what I mean? Right. The the blind followers of, of my pastor's right and they write because I need to, I need to be there. I need to be in that right. space where 
right is because happening. being here makes me feel better about right. me. So if I'm here and my pastor's wrong, I can no longer feel better about me. So right. he has to be right in order for me to be here so that I can feel better about me when I come here. Yeah. And, and next time we'll talk about the pastors and their pastors training and ain't training nobody to do nothing but be their best friend. Joy. I'm sorry. Joy. Okay. Joy. I'm, I'm sorry. Did I? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry, but okay. So, yeah. Um, and leave your church. 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 Unless you have a good church. You can stay if you have a good church. I know some good churches out there. I have a church. Oh, I was say, what are we, where? Right. Where? Right. Where is the fellowship? Carissa, where we have a church. It's not a church. It's a ministry It's movement. a ministry. No, but I'm saying it's we went to a church. We had a church that we went to, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, we had a church. The they fellowship. were a good church. I'm, I'm no, the fellowship is the ministry so, movement. It's okay. not a church. Okay. Go to jointhefellowship.org if you'd like to get more information about the ministry movement that is the fellowship. That is correct. Because it's definitely not a church. Definitely. And if you come in there wanting it to be a church, you can be and Very if you get on a power trip and try to change it to a church, I'm out, dude. <laughs> I'm leaving. You wouldn't be the only one. Yeah. I'd be gone, too. I'd be like, this is churchy. Yeah, no. They'd be like, but you started the church. Like, I'm out. I'm not coming to this church no more. Leave this church. <laughs> Moment of clarity, Stefan G. Catch y'all next week. I know it's just business. I get that. But don't forget the witness when you spit that. Share Christ more than privately in chit chats, or they'll be worshiping the ground where you live at.